the seventh year, the year of release is near. And your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cried to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely, and your heart, okay, underline that phrase right there, shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all, your, all that you undertake. For there you will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. And when you let him go free from you, you shall not let him go empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, out of your wine press. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land, and the Lord your God redeems you. Therefore, I command you this today. Now, last night, of course, I have four points I want to give you this morning, but last night I was just reading this text again, and I just thought, if there were three things that had nothing to do with my points that the Lord was trying to communicate to his people right here, it was this. A, his desire is to bless. And all blessings come from him. And I'll, I'm going to even show you again that here in a second. But his desire is to bless, and he wants us to know that all blessings come from him. Two, his desire is that we would be givers. At multiple times he says, have an open hand, right? He says that. Not a closed hand, have an open hand. His desire is that we would be generous givers. And three, it's all about the heart. All right? Now, when you read Scripture... God's desire is that his people would be givers. And let me explain a little bit about this, this text, okay? The way God had set up the economical system in Israel was that every seven years, there was something called the year of release. And what that meant was that after six years, whatever debts that you owed or any debts that someone owed you in the seventh year, all those debts would be wiped out. They would be pardoned. They would be released. And God was the one that came up with this whole system for them. You might be going, man, I wish I lived in that system today. But this is what God had, had, had given them. And God is giving this system to them, but at the same time, he's telling them to be gracious givers. Because just think about this. If you're living in this system... And he's saying you need to lend to people because there will be poor amongst you at times. I'm the one blessing, but what do you think your heart is going to be if there is this whole system that on the seventh year, whatever anybody owes you, you've got to release that. You're going to think, well, I'm, I mean, that's six months away. There's this person in need. He's not going to have time in six months to pay me back. So... I'm going, to hold, I'm, I'm going to hold on to that. And multiple times he says, don't let that thought get in your heart. Because God's desire is that we would be generous givers. Well, how in the world do we become a generous giver? Okay, write this down, number one in your notes. The first one is this, is that I have to deal with a selfish heart. I have to deal with a selfish heart. Look at verse 9 again in Deuteronomy 15. Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. And you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near. 
and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother and you give him nothing and he cried to the Lord against you and then look at this and you be guilty of sin who's guilty of sin you because there's this unworthy thought in your heart of thinking whoa wait a minute this person is not going to be able to pay me back and the Lord says that is not a thought from God okay you, selfishness leads to sin it produces sin in my life God desires because you see he is a giver that gives freely he desires that his people his children would be givers that give freely don't worry about the year of release it's there I've established it but you don't worry about that you give with an open hand I don't know if you ever thought about this but um, why do you think God invented giving because it sure wasn't the enemy Satan that invented giving right maybe some of us we think that he he didn't okay um, because he is a taker God is a giver he is a taker why did God invent giving is it because um, their resources in heaven are not enough and so he needs his people to give money because the electrical bill in heaven is a little too expensive no God invented giving because he knew that's what would make us most happy right everything in Scripture is there to give us life is to tell us how to live life to the full in fact this is how it works if a person is a selfish and greedy person they will never experience joy and see giving is what is the opposite of selfish selfishness and greed in fact people that are selfish and greedy are miserable people you cannot be happy you cannot experience peace you cannot experience joy unless you understand what it looks like and you have a heart to be a giver the problem is none of us are born this way none of us we are all born getters and parents think about this with your children you do not have to teach your children how to take and how to get and how to hold on and how to protect with their toys or whatever it is you know friends come over and all the kids are playing and a child begins to play with your child's toy and what does your child do ah, that's my toy I was playing with that and then they grab it and someone else grabs something else and what do they immediately do they drop that and they go because they've got to get what is there and you as a parent you say this all the time share you've got to share because that is not something that computes in their mind to share and we're all that way we are all born with this desire to to keep to ourselves to hold on to that's mine 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 it's mine not yours it's mine listen we were born that way in sin but when God saves us we are saved to be what are we still saved to be takers and getters no we're his children now and he is a father that is a giving father so what does his ch children need to look like they need to be givers so we are born getters but we're born again givers that's how it's supposed to look in fact uh, you know as far as being selfish and 
and sharing. I was trying to think, well, what's an illustration? Like I can tell you in my life, an area where I struggle in sharing. And probably, I'll just say this, um, I feel like when I say this, I will be speaking for all the men in this room. Ladies, we do not like to share our food. Okay? I cannot tell you how many times we will be somewhere and I will order my food and then I will look at my wife and say, what would you like? And she will say, oh, I don't want anything. I'll just eat some of yours. And I will think, no, no, you won't. <laughs> this, this is mine. In fact, I will order you two of whatever you want, but you're not getting mine. Okay? I don't like to share my food. In fact, I was even thinking about this in this illustration. Is I, I can tell you, when I've been in restaurants, I've never had a man, not one man say this to me, but I can't tell you how many times I've had a lady or a, a girl say, you know, we're all out to eat. Babs, I think I've even had you say this to me before, is we are, we are ordering our food, and I will be looking through the menu, and I will order what I want, and they will say, oh, good. I was wanting to taste that. And, it's the, and you're thinking, as a man, well, then you better order some. <laughs> because I don't like to share my food. Okay, this is something that we all struggle with. And so we have to, if we want to be a generous giver, we have to deal with selfishness. That's number one. Okay, number two, to be a generous giver, I have to deal with a grieving heart. Okay, that's number two. Write that down. I have to deal with a grieving heart. Okay, look at, look at Deuteronomy 15.10. And this time, I, I read my Bible's uh, English Standard Version. I'm going to read this from the New King James Version, and it'll be up on the screen. And it says, You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all which you put your hand. Again, you see, the Lord's desire is he wants to bless you in all your works. Because what is God? He is a giver. He is a giver of everything that is good. He wants to give generously to bless my family, my home, everything. But here's the problem. See, selfishness... I believe, attacks me when I whine. When, when, you're, when you're feeling compelled to give, you know what attacks you? It's selfishness and greed. But what attacks us after we give is what? Grief. You ever had that situation where maybe you give to something or you do something, and then like the next day, you know, the pipes at your house, they break. And, you're like, and the enemy says, well, see, shouldn't have done that. Or something comes up. And we, when, when we give, there's this like grieving or, or if I do give, I'm going to grieve. And God says, listen, this is a heart issue. And don't grieve when you do it. In fact, is there anyone here that just would be willing right now just to give me whatever cash is in their pocket? Just right now. Just anybody at all? You're, you'd be willing to give me whatever you got there? You're giving this to me. I don't have to give this back to you. Well, thank you. 20, 40, 60, 80, 100 dollars. Great. Thanks, Joe. 
man, that's a great guy. Okay. I gave this to him before the service started. Okay. This is my money. I said, Joe, when I ask for money, I just want you to come up here and just give it to me. Okay? So this is mine. Now, the reason why I had him do this is to prove a point here. Okay. Now, Joe's a wonderful person. In fact, he's known me, and, and uh, he, he has given me over my lifetime and uh, at times as a gracious gift. But in this, this is, I promise, this is my money. Okay? Not his. Now, here's the question I have for you. Did it grieve Joe at all to give me this money? No. Why? Because it wasn't his. You get that? It wasn't his. And see, that is where we, where we struggle. Is we believe that everything that is in our bank account, everything we have, our assets, whatever, we believe that they're ours. And God says... No, you, sh- you shouldn't grieve. In fact, we read, uh, and it says in, um, in verse 14, we're going to come to it here in a second, but look down your, in, your, in your Bible right there in verse 14. I'm going to come to this again, this verse, but it says, You shall furnish him liberally, freely, out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, and out of your winepress, as the Lord your God has blessed you. See, He's saying out of all your assets, out of your threshing floor, out of your wine press, out of your flocks, everything you have, which it's out of the things that the Lord has blessed you with, you're to give freely. See, the reason why I struggle with, with giving and I grieve over it is I believe that this money that, that I have, I worked for it. It's mine. And I'm going to do with it what I want. And the Lord says, no. Everything you have is from me. I am your source. Your job is not your source. Our government is not your source. I, the Lord God, am your source. And I have a desire to bless you, but my desire is that you'd be a generous giver, that your life would be about just being a giver, and that you would not be about getting, and when you give, you would not grieve. And this is an area that we all have to deal with, is is who is our source. Who is your source? One of the most freeing thing is to realize I'm not the provider for my family. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord who provides. He is the Lord that foresees all of my needs. My job is not to provide. My job is to trust, to work hard, to steward. But all my, he is the provider. He takes care of all my needs. And then when I lay down at night, I'm not worried because he's the provider, not me. I'm told, and that's how God desires his children to be. And he says, everything you have, it is from me. So don't grieve over it, okay? One more analogy. Just, just to think about when you think of this area, okay? You can plow. I, I heard a pastor once say this. You can plow from sun up to sun down. But you will not get any kind of crop until the Lord brings the rain. See, you can work. But it is not you that brings the, the rain. It's the Lord. So we are not to grieve. So I have to deal with my grieving heart. All right, number three. Develop a generous heart. Develop a generous heart. This is something that I have to develop. See, I'm born a getter. I am born again a giver. But guess what? This is something where my mind has to be 
renewed because I have to think a different way because my whole life before that, I was a getter. But I have to, if I want to have a generous heart the way the Lord desires me, this is an area where I have to develop. I have to develop a generous heart. You heard this even in when Chris and Megan were telling their story. This wasn't something that came naturally. It was actually as we were going through, through um, um, pre-marriage counseling, the question I asked them was like, okay, here's a question, money. Is it going to be your money? Is it going to be her money? Are you going to have two different accounts? Because some people do it that way. Is it going to be your money or last? Is it going to be the Lord's money? Because that's something you have to establish. And the great thing is we established it when they had no jobs, no money, no future. Okay? And they were just sharing how the Lord has blessed in this area, and now it's something they love and are excited about doing. It's something that has to be developed. Now, just so you see that this isn't just an Old Testament concept about being generous to the poor, giving, and and being open-handed with your giving, I want you now to turn back to Luke chapter 6, where we originally were, because I want you to see that Jesus is reiterating this right here. And it's actually, we were there in Luke chapter 6, and we read verses 37 and 38. Now we're going to read Luke 6, verses 30 through 36, which was the precursor to what he said when he said, uh, judge not or you will be judged. Condemn not, or you'll be condemned. Forgive not, or you'll be forgiven. Give. Okay, so this is what he says in verse 30. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them, And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good. And lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. In fact, I I just encourage you to underline, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Because who who is the kind and the ungrateful and the evil? That's me. See, Romans 5.8 says, for God demonstrates his love for us, that while we're still sinners, Jesus died for us. See, we're the ones that are the, we're, say, he, he is merciful, he is kind to, the, to those that are evil and ungrateful. You're like, yeah, he is. They need to get their act together. No, that's me. And if this is how he is towards us, what is his desire for his children? To share. Share. Okay? Um. Uh, and I don't have this on, on the screen either, but just write this passage down, Matthew six twenty one. I was thinking about this this week as I was praying, and just the, the verse that came to my mind was, and this is Matthew six twenty is, for where your treasure is, you know the rest? Your heart will be there also. And, and I always have thought about that, and the way I've heard pastors preach on it and speak about it is that, well, you really know where your treasure is. Or you really know where your heart is because that's where your treasure is. So all we got to do is open up that little pocketbook and we can see where your true treasure is. 
But what's interesting about this is when Jesus said this, he says, listen, where your treasure is, that's where your heart, heart will be. So do what? So store up treasures in heaven. Because where does our heart need to be? On the things that are on the things of God's heart. You might go, well, you know, as far as the church, as far as this thing or that, I just really don't have a heart for that. Listen, if you put some treasures there, you're going to have, your heart's going to follow that. You know, it's like um, when you put money into a certain stock or a company, do you all of a sudden begin to have a little interest in that stock or that company? Yeah, because wherever you put your treasures, your heart's going to follow. And so that's why Jesus is saying, listen, this is the situation. Wherever you put your treasures, that's where your heart's going to be. Okay? And I can say this because I'm a big sports fan, but there's a lot of people that their treasure is in a team because guess what? They've put a lot of their treasures there. They put a lot of their money there. That's natural. You, you've invested in that. And so that's why Jesus is saying, listen, so you need to be storing up treasures in heaven. And the great thing about that is rust and moth, it won't destroy it. Because that's where God's heart, his desire is that his children, that's where our heart would be as well. Okay? So I have to develop a generous heart. Okay, and number four, last and that is develop a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15, 15. I know you've gone back to Luke, but you can look up at the screen. Deuteronomy 15, verse 15 said, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. He's saying, listen, Throughout this whole passage, you, you need to be a giver. You, you need to be open-handed. You need to give freely because I give freely. You're my child. You were once a son of the devil who was a, a, a taker. You're now a son of mine or a daughter of mine. You are to be a giver. And you need to remember. You need to be grateful. Remember where you were. You were a slave. And this is what he's talking to the Israelites. But what were we a slave? We were a slave to sin. We were doomed in our transgressions. We were dead. And because of what he did in freely giving us his son to die on the cross, through Jesus Christ, we could have life and have eternity. And we were brought from that, and we were given everlasting life and an eternal possession. And we have all that. And he's saying, and you're still worried about being a getter over this stuff right here. You've got to develop a grateful heart. I have to develop a grateful heart. You know, one of my favorite stories in Scripture is the story of Zacchaeus. You guys remember Zacchaeus? He, he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he? Well, Jesus came to his town. Does anybody remember what profession Zacchaeus had? He was a tax collector. Now, when I was growing up, I knew what a tax collector was because I had seen the movie Robin Hood. Not Robin Hood with Kevin Costner. I mean Robin Hood with the foxes, and the bear, and all that kind of stuff. And I remember as a little kid seeing the sheriff of Nottingham come into the room with a little bunny rabbit that had just gotten his present, and the sheriff of Nottingham took his coins away. And the whole movie, you had this sheriff of Nottingham going around, taking money from, from everybody. That was a tax collector. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a professional taker. That's what he did. 
he took from his people. And did anybody like tax collectors? No, they did not. And the story goes that Jesus comes to his town, and so Zacchaeus climbed up into the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. All right? You know the song. You just kind of want to sing it whenever you hear it. But, but uh, anyway, Jesus comes into town. Zacchaeus is up in this tree looking for Jesus, and Zacchaeus is standing there, sitting there on the limb, and Jesus goes to Zacchaeus. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm wanting to meet with you. Let's go to your house. And so Zacchaeus climbs down that tree. He goes and he takes Jesus to his house. And we don't have their discussion. We don't, we don't have really how Jesus ministered to Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus met Jesus that day. And in meeting Jesus, Zacchaeus' life changed forever. And we have the immediate response, because what does it say? When Zacchaeus meets Jesus, Jesus ministers to him, Jesus shares with him, and whatever Jesus said to him, which I'm sure is the gospel, what, did, what was Zacchaeus' response? Jesus, everything I own. I give half of it to the poor. Now, I really believe Zacchaeus followed through with this because I don't think it would have been in the Bible if Zacchaeus was just trying to uh, butter Jesus up. Zacchaeus said, I mean, he automatically went from being a taker to being a giver saying, hey, I will give half of what I have to the poor. And on top of that, if I have wronged anybody, I'll pay them back fourfold. And I just assume that Zacchaeus went from being rich to being destitute. You know why? Because if you give half of everything you own, that takes out what? Half. You guys, you guys are all math majors. I was an English guy. Okay? Now, if everything you have is because you've taken it from people, and you're saying, if I've wronged anybody, which he'd wronged everybody, I will pay them back fourfold. If you do your numbers, that's almost like four times broke. Right? I'm broke and then four times over. Everything changed for Zacchaeus. But guess what? He had a grateful heart. Because he had been miserable in all that he had had. I almost named this series The Happy Life. Because there's no life that is more happier and more joy-filled, and more peace-filled than a life that is full of giving. And Zacchaeus walked away a happy man. He was a grateful man. He became a generous man. And that's God's desire for all of his children. You were born a getter, but you were born again to be a giver. Would you bow your heads? close your eyes and I just ask you if you want to move to your knees you can is what is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning
didn't want to talk about tithing this morning. I didn't want to talk about money per se. I really just want, I really want today for us to see God's heart and his desire because he knows it will give us life and give us happiness is that we would learn to be givers. Not greedy, not selfish, but with our very lives that we would be givers. Now, are you a giver? If people were to describe you, amongst all the things they'd say about you, is what overflows? Would they say, man, she is a giver? All the things that she has been gifted by the Lord to do, all these blessings, she uses them to give and to serve. And I don't know what specifically the Lord is speaking to you, but this right here, it's a heart issue. And the enemy wants to lie to you and tell you you've got to hold on. You've got to protect that. That's yours. And if you do, you'll remain miserable and not experience the blessings that God desires to pour out upon his children. See, even, even a lot of times when you hear people talk about giving, you hear that if you give, you'll get. And I don't believe the Lord sits up in heaven and goes, oh, I so hope my children will grab the revelation of being a getter. See, God is so good and we'll see over the next couple of weeks, he has promise after pro- promise of his blessings and his provision. And he'll say, test me in this. You just try it. But he doesn't want us to learn to give so that we can get. He wants us to learn to give out of the gratefulness and the generosity of our heart that we would see. If that's what he does, he wants his children to be like him. And that if my heart is not there, if I still struggle with this area of giving, then my heart, the Lord needs to deal with my heart. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? Precious Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. We praise you that you are a God who gives. Your goodness and your mercy rain down upon the just and the unjust, as it says in Psalms. You are a God who loves and you give great gifts. And you gave us the greatest gift in eternal life through Jesus Christ. And you created us to be givers, not to be a reservoir that is like stagnant water. You, you, you create us to be a river that as we receive blessings, we are to give those away. We're to be givers. And I pray for every single person in this room, including myself. I pray that we would have hearts that have been set free from this getting nature. And that our families and our church would be defined as a community of givers for your kingdom.
because we want to store our treasures up in heaven. That's where our heart wants to be. We love you. We praise you. We can't wait to see you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can.